Well, well, Suns fans, welcome to another edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network. I'll give you props. Listen, if, if you're joining us right now, that means one thing to me. It means you truly are a Suns fan because you have the national championship for the NCAAs going on right now between Alabama and Ohio State. The Suns just lost by 21 points to the Washington Wizards. For some reason, we have a hard time in Detroit and Washington on the road, as they mentioned on the broadcast numerous times. And we, we get pummeled. Wasn't even a fun game to watch. And you're here watching with us right now. So kudos to you for being a true Suns fan. Matthew, what what the hell happened on that game, man? <laughs> you telling me there's another game on tonight that I could have been watching? I had no idea. Yeah, there's the National really Championship lost. game. Yeah, they lost their luster though this year, so that's why I didn't know. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, Jamsters. Glad to have you. Seriously, this is still going to be a fun show, right? <laughs> True Suns fans in the chat. You show up after the Suns gets the, get their teeth kicked in while a national championship's yep. going on. You don't care. You're here because you love your Suns. Win, lose, or draw, even though you can never draw in basketball. So we're here. Welcome once again to the Suns Jam Session podcast. My name is John. His name is Matthew. You can follow me on Twitter, at Darth Voida. You can follow him on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And if you're watching on the YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe, you hit the thumbs up button, and you also hit that little bell. lets you know whenever we go live following every game. Just gives you a little reminder on your phone, which is always appreciated. If you're listening on the podcast tomorrow, you are already you already know the result of the national championship game. I don't even know what the score is. Maybe, Matthew, you can check on that, why we, why we do this. And maybe some people in the chat are probably going to be throwing that up as well. Uh, make sure you follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram and Twitter. And TikTok. We have a TikTok channel now. So if you're one of those people who like TikTok and going through the swiping up for hours, <laughs> you, maybe you'll come across at Suns Jam there. So we'd appreciate you if you follow us there as well. We have plenty to talk about following the loss to the Wizards on this Monday evening. The, the Suns lose 128 to 107. I think that this almost definitely necessitates a beer. So I'll pop that open. And you know what? We're going to play a little bit of a different drop to start this one because, truth be told, it's just one of them days when I want to be all alone. It's just one of them days when I got to be all alone. It's just one of them days. It was a rough, rough night tonight, <laughs> Suns fans. I gotta ask you, Matthew, as, yeah, as I look at what's up as, as I look at your setup, you normally have the Suns win going behind you on the TV. There's highlights of the game. I see it's just our logo tonight. Do you not That's have it. a Suns lose? Super uh, sad. I do not. You know what I should do is just turn the TV off. You know, like when your kids are like just being absolute disgraces right before dinner or right after dinner, you just turn the TV off and send them to bed. That's what I should do right now, but I'll stay up with the jamsters tonight just for a little bit. Okay. Well try to try to stay up and stay engaged as, as long as you can. I know that that was a snoozer that we watched tonight. I mean, yeah, right from the tip, it was frustrating to see. And, uh, you know, I guess I'll start off with, you know, I like to come up with one yeah. burning question for you. Um, <laughs> Have the Suns become one-dimensional on offense? Like if our because our interior, I feel, doesn't exist, and if we can't shoot, we can't win. And I know that's kind yeah. of a broad statement because that's like duh. If you can't shoot, you can't win. But 
like we we're pretty one dimensional sometimes, don't you think? Yeah, I can see that. It's a lot of just you know, Da is not doing his job down low by scoring the ball. Really, I mean, we can't count on that now. I mean, I know last time we had the pod with Dave King, I kind of brought up when the Suns are losing, I get kind of upset because. You know, I kind of want him to have an offensive presence down low. That would be nice in a game like this, especially when we don't even have a backup center. We have Saric, but he can't make a play. If he does make a play, it's a foul on him, or else he'll turn the ball over, something like that. You know what I mean? In a game like this where we really need something, we need it in the interior presence, but it's not there yet for the Suns. It's not. And I was just thinking, too, it's like if we're not making the threes, the Suns are not winning. But I don't think that's it. I really don't think that's the whole thing. I think it's just still maybe a young, immature team. I know we have Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, but you, they come into this game trying to get 100 points in the first quarter without even getting 20 right away. So that's the way they looked going into the first quarter. That's what I thought. Yeah, and this is a team that Thomas Bryant is out with an ACL issue. So you know that Robin Lopez and more, Mo Wagner from the University of Michigan were going to be the front line for the Washington Wizards, a team that is the worst defense in the league. They give up the most points per game. So all the stars were aligning much like they were for the game against Detroit in which the Suns should dominate this game. And then the first quarter happens and the Suns, you can see, are just kind of sleepwalking through offense. And I know it's early in the pod, but it's it's definitely time for... In Watch 2021. This, this was his worst game so far this season. And it's yeah. it's frustrating because... I feel like I'm definitely in Aiton's corner and I'm an Aiton defender. And every time, you know, his jersey's hanging up behind me. I love DeAndre Aiton. I think that he yeah. has a, a great defensive capability that not a lot of people give him credit for. I think his offensive game is continuing to morph and, and we're trying to figure out what that is, but he's learning as well. Again, I've stated it multiple times. I don't need to state it again, but I will anyways. It's about 120 games now he's played as a professional after one year of college, after just a few years of playing in AAU before that. So he's definitely learning how to become an offensive player, but he didn't have the fire on the defensive end on this game either, Matthew. He was really just kind of sleepwalking, uh, not, you know, he put his hand up, wasn't jumping at defenders, knowing that they were going to sh- try to shoot over him and switches and things of that nature. I mean, what did you see besides his eight points and five rebounds tonight that uh, from DeAndre Ayton? I saw a lot of Robin Lopez. You know, yeah. doing what he wanted against DeAndre Ayton. And it was on the offensive end. It was very, well, I don't know. Actually, Lopez had a harder time on the offensive end than he did the defensive end, really taking care of DeAndre Ayton, I feel like. But DA, at first, all he really had to do was stand there and really be a body against Lopez. But then also, like, you just didn't see DeAndre at all this whole game. I mean, even from the beginning, he only played 26 minutes. And I know the rest of the starters came in to try to get a groove into next game, but you didn't see him try to finish this game out. And that's something that I actually wanted him to see. The thing that bothered me when the Suns were trying to have a make a comeback going into halftime, DA was pulled with three minutes left. I felt like he was kind of picking it up there on defense a little bit, and he was helping the Suns down low because when you remove him, no one else could rebound the ball, especially against Lopez, any of those bigger guys that Washington has. And he came out with three minutes left. I think that kind of hurt the Suns there a little bit. But besides that, uh, but. Because he did that, I feel like he was almost in the groove, but he just he lost it, dude. I, I don't know if that was a Monty call. Just It wasn't like he was in foul trouble. It's just like, let him finish out the half. That's what I wanted to happen, but it didn't yeah, it was happen. Weird, weird rotations by Monty tonight. I mean, he brought in Damian Jones before Frank Kaminsky, and I know that yeah. Damian Jones hasn't made an appearance, in, a, in I think, since the second game of the season. Uh, Frank Kaminsky isn't logging a bunch of minutes either, but that's 
that was his answer on a night again where the interior was wide open and we had an opportunity to probably take advantage of them there. And then we were down big. So instead of bringing in Frank, who could shoot the ball, he clogged the paint with Dario and Damian Jones in the middle of the second quarter. And what happens? Davis Bertans is shooting like a flamethrower from beyond the arc. Gets what? Five yeah, for five was, from downtown, 15 points back. in 12 minutes. I mean, he's he back. proved. Yeah, he is. He is. And, and he proved that he is worth the five-year $80 million contract that the Washington was willing to pay him. And again, it was a weird rotation strategy by Monty Williams tonight. And I think that a lot of people were questioning it online. And I was questioning as I was watching. I'm like, well, we're down by 21 points right now. Why, why, why isn't Frank Kaminsky in? Somebody who can hit at least hit a three or try to stretch the floor, or try to open up this offense. Instead, it was, let's just clog the paint with the two guys down low who never get a foul called on them, but always get fouls called on them. You know, I mean, they, they take the ball up, it gets swatted, it's nothing. They, they go to swat a ball, it's automatically a foul. It was yep. really interesting, those rotations. And then to your point, Aiton, when he started to finally get that defensive groove a little bit at the end of the first half, he was pulled with three minutes left. I just, I, I don't really know what exactly Monty's uh, rotation strategy was and why he approached this game the way he did. Yeah, this isn't really like a shit on Monty uh, post-game pod no, at all. not really. Just right. that one part. There is one thing I hate, and there's one thing I hate that he does, and it's not calling timeouts. I guess the Suns only have one timeout every quarter. Is that how that works? Because if you're going <laughs> through the game log of what was going on during the game, the first timeout that was called was actually, it was the, uh, I think it was the Wizards, but the Suns were down to 10 to 20, and they finally called a timeout. The next timeout that was called was by the Wizards. Oh, I'm sorry. That was, let me just redo this. Okay. So the, the first timeout that was called, they were down 10 to 20. Okay. Yes. And then no more timeouts called it out until the end of the first quarter. They were down 15 to 29. And then the next timeout called in the game was by the Wizards. And it was 25 to 45 by then. The last timeout until it was just a complete blowout. It was 25 to 57 by then with the Suns calling their second timeout of the game. That's that's not to me. I don't know what the deal is with that. I feel like the Suns have more timeouts than that. And just to prove my theory a little bit, the Wizards, the Suns kind of made a little bit of an effort going into after halftime. And the Wizards, they kind of were scrambling a little bit. The Suns cut it close to 23 points, <laughs> which is nothing. But the Wizards called a timeout there. And I thought that was a beautiful timeout by the Wizards. It stopped any kind of momentum the Suns had. And then it just went back to normal for the rest of the game. I know we've definitely talked about this multiple times on the podcast. And if you're new to the podcast, then you're going to hear this once again, or you're going to hear it for the first time. If you're old to the podcast, you're going to hear it once again, but great observation by you, Matthew, the timeouts that Monty takes, what, what are timeouts used for? They're used to stop the momentum of the other team. Yeah. They're used to make substitutions. They're used to get your team a little bit of rest or a breather. Momentum is real. Whether there's a statistic behind it or not, momentum is real. And when you have Davis Bertans just shooting at will and Monty doesn't call a timeout during any of it, it's frustrating. And it's almost something you don't notice because it's what he always does. I think for some reason he thinks he gets to take those timeouts with him into halftime. And then on, conversely, you have uh, what's what's uh, what's the head coach for the Washington Wizards, Scott Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks. The the um, the Phoenix Suns make two or three shots in a row. Timeout. Mm -hmm. I honestly believe that's the way it should go. Like it, it should be coaching one on one in the NBA. It's like listen, if the opposition makes three consecutive field goals to your no field goals or your one field goal, like call a timeout. Like just yeah. kill the momentum right there. 
You know, it's it's not seceding. It's not saying, oh, that guy's better than us. We need to we need to call a timeout so he can get a he can cool off a little bit mm-hmm. or 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 motivating his ego like, yeah, I caused them to call the timeout. It's none of that. Yeah. It's you allowing your team to make a defensive adjustment. And again, uh-huh. it's almost like we welcomed the onslaught and you could feel it coming. And it's so funny because you know, for, for bright side of the sun, I covered this game just like I did the Detroit game. And uh, so apparently when we play the worst team in the East, I shouldn't be covering those games because, I mean, this game started right off. And I'm like, I have yeah. to write an article about this toilet bowl oh, game that I'm watching. Dude. Dude, I know. I was going to tweet about that, too, but I stayed off of Twitter. But you just brought up a good point, too, about Scotty Brooks, because before the game started, his job was kind of on the line. It was kind of like the Kakashkov game where the Suns lost like nine in a row. I think it was two years ago they lost nine in a row and they came out and won because they heard that Kakashkov's job was on the line. This was kind of that too, right? Because I feel like the Wizards on their side, they couldn't miss anything. The Suns couldn't do anything defensively. And like you said earlier, if they did, it was a foul. You know, like the Suns couldn't do anything right defensively against them. The Wizards did everything right. And I think it was basically maybe they had that motivation behind them about Scotty Brooks and his job. That might be that might have been something, dude. Because yeah. I just remember that right now. Well, and we talked about it before we played the Detroit Pistons. This that that was a team that is hungry, that they're looking for a win. They need a win. The Wizards were the same way. What were they two and eight entering this game? Scotty Brooks is having a hard time. Is is talking there's there's talk of him potentially being fired they just lost thomas bryant russell westbrook's out with a quad and we get pretty much the b team for the wizards and they come out motivated and ready to kick our ass and it's just it's it's unacceptable i like what made an az says in the chat he says sons aren't ready for being a top team in the west no playing to the level of the competition we hear that you know like the the we're busting out all the great sayings on the jam session podcast tonight you know uh, momentum isn't real and, and things of that mm-hmm. nature. But I, I think in all honesty, if you take a look at the, the moniker of playing to the, the level of the competition, the Suns even played the level of the competition tonight. They got mm-hmm. blown out. And if you want to be a top team in the West, you're going to have to win these games. It, it's an ugly loss. And, and don't get me wrong. Like every team has these, un- these ugly losses. Unfortunately for the Suns, the two ugliest losses were against the two worst teams in the league at the time and also occurred in the Eastern Conference. So there's your East Coast bias for you. These, these te- The Suns go and they're playing well and a great game against Indiana. They're starting to get some, some nods. They get, uh, I think NBA.com had its number two in their power rankings this morning when they released it. Yeah, and, they come, and they lay an egg in Washington, D.C., which where Tony Kornheiser is at, and all, and all these great East Coast writers are watching the game probably. They're probably not. They, they're they going to look on their phone because they're watching the national championship as well. And yeah, that's what they see is they just see a drubbing. They're like, well, hold on. The Wizards, the, the, the team that's been discombobulated this whole season, that's now being hit with COVID protocols, which I'll get into that here in a second. But uh, as Vincent Stefanelli says in the chat, uh, he's watching this on Facebook. No excuses. That was an ass kicking. Yeah, just straight up was. Um, I think too here at the uh, Matthew Casa over here, you know, Lilithy Lounge. I like Ooh, to call it. I like it. Lounge. Yeah, I was really outdoing my abusive neighbors tonight. You know, I was yelling at this TV, and I just, <laughs> I feel like the cops were almost calling on me. I mean, that's how bad it was in the first quarter. Um, but you're talking about keeping it close. I mean, 
and playing to the level of the competition, they could do that with this team and then the fourth quarter bring it on, kind of like LeBron James style, which I was talking about a couple pods ago where, you know, keep it close and just blow them out in the fourth. But it, it wasn't even that close. It wasn't even... I mean, it was basically, I was listening to a pod. Um, it was the All all the Smoke podcast. It was an old episode with Paul Pierce. Did you know Paul Pierce got a stab 11 yeah. times? Eight to oh, 11 yeah. times? Yeah, you don't remember yeah, that? No, I don't. And he, I, I totally missed that. He described it as he basically, it just, it went by so fast. He didn't even feel any of the wounds at all until it was all said and done. He was bleeding. I don't want to compare this to that, but this thing was so far and gone and it so was seriously quick. yeah it was so quick he had no idea what was going on until so it was already over until so it was halftime and that's kind of i think that's how it felt right absolutely it was just a, a swashbuckling right off the bat i mean before <laughs> i sit down i literally wrote my first paragraph for the bright side of the sun article and i had to change the narrative like instantly you know i was like okay okay booker's got <laughs> raul nito or neto on him Okay, he, he's going to own this guy. And he came out and he and Booker was aggressive. And I was like, okay, we're getting aggressive Booker tonight. Like after the Pacers game and 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 his performance there and after the Detroit game where he kind of came to life at the end of that Detroit game in overtime, I'm like, oh, maybe that's unlocked something Booker and he realized he needs to be aggressive. And then all of a sudden, the Suns couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. They're missing all their three-pointers and they were down by, by 10 points. That 20 to 10, that timeout after I think it was Bradley Beal hit a three, I was just like, Oh shit! This is going to be one of the one of these games, you know. And I think we really noticed uh, a deficiency that the Suns have on the interior when it comes to rebounding, because typically Da will get his rebounds, and he did it tonight, eight for eight and five. You know, pretty pretty disgraceful. Uh, a bad game for Da, no doubt about it. And but but we don't have a true power forward when it comes to rebounding. I mean, Jay Crowder, he'll assist. Uh, I mean, he ended the night with a total of what six rebounds. I mean. Five rebounds for Bridges, six for Aiton, yep. five six for, for yeah. I mean, it's just <clears throat> it, it's not efficient enough. You, you have to have the ability to rebound the ball, and the Suns just aren't doing it with regularity right now. Um, in this game, again, a game where Thomas Bryant, their best rebounder, is out. The Suns were out rebounded fifty-five to forty-one. I mean, and a lot of that's on the offensive boards. The Suns had seven offensive rebounds. The Wizards had what 16 like that's unacceptable yep. man yeah a lot of that too i'm not making excuses but the ball was bouncing far and away from the sun's defenders i feel like out off of the glass and off of the rim there were a well, lot of times when you got a, when, when you get a lot of three points being shot yeah yeah so you have to adjust no to that rebounding. right yeah but no team rebounding today by the suns that's something we're used to seeing i don't feel like they've really been out, out rebounded this year so far um, but tonight was, it was a big deal. And of course the three wasn't going, but also too, I wanted to just recap on the, the power rankings. The Suns are number two, number three, number five, all that stuff. My friend actually sent me a text of it. I'm like, you know what? Like get back to me when it's 20 games, 25 games into the season, because right now it doesn't matter. I know it's fun to look at, but power rankings don't matter. They never will matter, but maybe they will matter when it's 20 to 25 games into the season. We kind of get an idea of what these teams are, right? Yeah, and I think that power rankings only matter in college football because that's the only place where they actually take subjective rankings and utilize them as yeah. their metric for who's the best team because it matters for seeding purposes. In the NBA, at the end of the day, like, I mean, again, the, the Suns were one of the best teams in the West and they lost to one of the worst teams in the East. So, what the good is a power ranking? Who gives a shit? Um, Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Other things I want to talk about. Um, 
you know, again, Booker's aggressiveness early. I thought that that was fantastic. It was nice to see him do that. Uh, but so was Bradley Beal, man. Bradley Beal had a great game. And I th- mm-hmm. really think that uh, – the, the team shooting, you know, again, that's why I'm harping so much on that interior presence. And I've on the past, what, two or three podcasts, it's what I've been talking about is the Suns need to learn how to go downhill and try to force the issue inside. They shot six for 21 in the first quarter, which is 28.6% from the field, including one, one for seven from deep. And while Bradley Beal scored 13 points in the first quarter, the Suns put a, a what a season low in scoring with 15 total points. I mean, right off the bat, they were shooting the ball. I, why, why was the game plan not to attack the rim, Matthew? I mean, who are you going to attack the rim with? Oh, wait, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson? Devin Booker? Well, Mikhail Bridges, I was joking, because Mikhail Bridges, come on. like it, you, it, you had the best game of your career last game, and you did everything right. You took the ball to the rim, you pump faked it, you took it, because you can, because you're long. Those layups, I think he had one at the end. It was super easy. He took it like full court. And all the way to the rim, and it was nothing but butter, dude. And he seriously just had to do that all game because nothing was going to fall for the Suns. And I like how you're talking about Devin Booker being aggressive. It kind of seemed like him and Beal, of course, were going at it. I feel like this always happens. And we have to look up the record of the Suns versus, I mean, it's super easy, versus the, versus the Wizards because I feel like the Suns are on the bad end of the stick, right, for that. Because I feel like every time they play each other, Booker has to one-up Beal, and it just ends up kicking him in the ass. I feel like Booker had a bad game, but still had 34 points or 33 points. Mm-hmm. But then Beal had 34. I feel like he had like 45 points in this game, right? Yeah, well, it's the efficiency factor. I mean, Booker was taking a lot of shots and wasn't hitting them, but I mean, that was just kind of the theme of the night. Yeah. And again, going back to McHale, I mean, what made him so successful against Indiana? It was the things that you mentioned. And unfortunately, he was in foul trouble on some ticky-tack fouls early, so he didn't have an opportunity to get going. Yeah. He only he only played eight minutes in the first half. So then you're relying on your second team, and the second team comes in, and this is where you miss the likes of campaign, somebody who can take it down there and get you those quick, easy buckets. But again, the Wizards are the top-scoring team in, in the league. They're hard to stop, okay? But the advantage of the way that they play with their bad defense is they can keep you in games – the Suns just couldn't pl- couldn't stop them. I mean, th- the Wizards no. allowed 107 points to the Suns. That was the lowest amount of points any team has scored against the Wizards this year. They give up 119 like it's going out of style. And we couldn't score, and we couldn't stop them. I mean, it's just obviously it's a recipe for disaster. That's how you lose games. It's just frustrating that, one, it felt like we were getting fucked on some of the fouls, and two, our shooting, much akin to Detroit, it's just like, I, I, you have to make those adjustments. You have to go, listen, we're not hitting the outside shot tonight. Let's try to, to force the, the force it in, down low and, and try to get DA involved and do all these things. And, you know, I just feel like it just wasn't happening tonight. Yeah. You just, you can't yet with, um, Deandre Aiden. Um, and I, it was I, the worst basketball of the Sun season this far, I believe. It was like you didn't think it would be any worse than the Detroit game. Um, but obviously, I guess I need another game like this to get back in it, but I don't think so. I feel like this is just one of those where you can't have an excuse. I feel like the the team has to come out and just dominate next game against the Hawks because the Hawks are going to be the same kind of team where they can get up on you quick too. So, I mean, this just can't happen again if we're going to be like a top four seed in the West, right? Exactly. I mean, slow starts are what the Achilles heel for the Suns are right now. Now, granted, the Detroit game was different because 
we were up big on them and we got a 23 point lead up on them. And then we slowly pissed it away because of our poor shooting. Whereas this one, we got down quick. And unlike the Clippers game, we didn't start taking it to the basket in the third quarter. That's what the key to that Clippers game was. Although we didn't win the game against the Los Angeles Clippers, we fought back. We made those necessary adjustments. And it was Chris Paul who said, listen, I'm going to start taking it to the hoop, start getting these guys in foul trouble, start slowing the game down. And at the end of it all, we're going to claw back into this one. You know, and another thing I want to talk about, and I started to talk about this a little bit on the last pod, but I didn't fully articulate what I was thinking. Chris Paul tonight led the team with 36 minutes. The last game we played, he he played a bunch of minutes. The whole the whole starting five is playing a bunch of minutes. Obviously, they didn't play a, a ton of minutes today. Mikhail Bridges, 25, 8 and 25. Mikhail primarily due to uh, foul trouble. But what I don't understand is how are we going to survive this very wacky season if we're having to put so much stress on that first team? Because Chris Paul will break down if this continues. Like, that's got to be a motivating factor going into these games. Is like, you have to just lay the smack down, come out aggressive so you can earn those minutes and, and, and earn that time to rest. And Chris Paul just didn't necessarily do that. Now, granted, he finished with 14 and 11, and that kind of seems to be his, his, he, he puts up Rubio numbers. Am I not wrong? No, yeah, he's always been basically putting up those same numbers that Rubio has. It's just, I mean, we've been winning, but Rubio did go eight and zero in the bubble. I mean, I mean, it's not going to be too long too if we have more of these losses, and we're gonna be like, well, then why are we paying him so much? And then Rubio puts up the same stats, and we're still not winning. We're not winning at a rate we thought we would. Um, but also too, you're talking about the minutes. I think that. The minutes to me aren't as a big deal. I think for Chris, I think Chris Paul wants to play that much. I know they might bear down, but 36, 39, is that really that bad? Like every game? I don't, I mean, unless for you're a 35 year old point guard, I prefer him to play about 30 to 32 because okay. it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And in these games, we're having to do these little micro sprints, you know, I mean, that's of 48 minutes. So he's playing a lot of minutes. And it's a lot of taxing, you know, you're going to feel this later in the season, I feel, when we're going to really need him and he's going to be injured because he's just been taxed. He's old. Yeah, I understand that. I just, the way he plays though, I don't feel like all those 36 minutes are him up and down the court, you know? He's walking up and down the court most of the time. I mean, he's not doing too much on the offense. He'll do the pick and roll once in a while, but I feel like he's not really in the flow of the offense at all. Like, I know we have, like, he's a point guy. He has 11 assists, all that. But there's nothing that's too flashy. I mean, there's not really in sync yet in the first team at all. I mean, especially him and DA. Him and DA seem to drift up and, I don't know, further apart some games. And DA just seems like he's not even interested in, like, wanting the ball down low at all. I mean, there's there was one pass where Chris Paul threw it to him. I think it went right past DA's head. Yeah. He wide open for a dunk. I think he threw it, thought he was throwing it to somebody else. And you just let it go by him. So it's just like that's the way the offense is right now. And I know what you mean with him being old and all that, but I it's just like it's not the old sons where this where Steve Nash would play like 42 to 43 minutes a game. You know what I mean? And they'd be constantly on the court. I think that he's doing a better job with the minutes. So I'm not too worried about it though. But I I'm probably gonna be wrong later in the season. I'll probably be eating these words, right? <laughs> no, the only one that eats words is me when I start typing for bright side. So Again, and, and you're you're not necessarily wrong there, but again, these are the the nights going into it. I'm like, gee golly, Mrs. Beaver, wouldn't it be nice if or Mrs. Cleaver? <laughs> gee golly, Mrs. Cleaver, leave it to Beaver Cleaver. It's an old school <laughs> reference. But wouldn't it be nice to just rest Chris Paul in the fourth quarter against the Wizards because you're whooping their ass? And 
the wish list that I have prior to to this to the games just isn't coming anywhere close. I mean, I predicted DA to go for twenty and eighteen. He went for eight from five in this one. So I mean, it was a it it's, was it, yeah, it was a, it was a rough game, man. It's a rough game, and it's always I, I've said this before. And I feel like I said, I'll say this before like six times already on this podcast, but I'll say this before and I'll say it again. It's really hard to do these podcasts right after a tough loss like this because you still are full of emotion and it takes a lot of self-control to not just be like, what the fuck happened tonight? You know, so. Um, yeah. Well, we got that over with, I think, by halftime, right? You were kind of cooled off a little bit. I mean, the Suns try to make a little bit of a run, but then by that time, it's too late. So I feel like we had those emotions. They're, they're dialed down a little bit because of that reason. It was such a big blowout to where we're just – we're, we're okay with it now. Yeah, I guess you accepted well, it not come, really, but... come halftime. But do you think this team would be a killer in transition if they tried to run and gun? I mean, they have the wings to do it, but Chris Paul slows everything down and wants the slowest pace in the league. But we have, outside of Chris Paul's continual athleticism, we have a team that's designed kind of, I almost feel, for run and gun. And I noticed it on, like, there was one play where after a rebound, Chris Paul threw it out to Mikael Bridges. Mikael Bridges threw it up to uh, Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson dunked it or, or put laid it in. I was like... Oh, look at that. We we can be quick. What do you think there? I don't know. There's just something missing to where this team, they have the opportunity. I feel the beginning of the season you saw it a lot, but for some reason when they are on the fast break, it is not as smooth at all. It's very very gross to watch. There's a lot of missed opportunities. Even Chris Paul, I feel like is missing the guys that are wide open running to the basket. You see from Devin Booker, I just no one there's not like a runaway dunk there's not like you know the fast break five on four and then they find the wide open guy sometimes they do that for three but driving to the lane they're having issues with that they're having issues finding the wide open guy on breaks it's just not a very very solid looking fast break team right now you thought you thought it would be i mean you didn't think it's gonna be as fast as the c nash sons but they came out pretty fast in the beginning of the year but now i just feel like it's so slowed down it's not isaiah cannon bad but it, it's it's in the way to where I just don't trust them when there's a fast break until like it's a blowout or something. They've been doing that to where if they're blowing the team out, they'll have some easy looks because the other defense has given up. But anytime the defense is actually trying to play, if it's five on four, the Suns, I feel like they miss the wide open guy a lot of the times. I don't know what that is. And I don't know why my voice just cracked. I saw. I apologize. Yeah, it's okay. A growing pains is what that is. No, I, I agree with you. I think that this team in transition could be deadly, but they just don't know how to do it yet. And that's kind of... Again, the the reset, if you will. Okay, we're eleven games into the season. We're seven and four yeah. for a team that's still learning who they are. I mean, they, they showcased against Indiana some of their capability on the interior, their shooting, their drivability, their cutting. I started to see a lot of cutting come the third quarter, so I did appreciate that. Just none of the entry passes were quality enough to get open shots. But this team is still learning how to play together. And think about this, okay? We started last season seven and four, and there was so much hype around this team. And then they put together an eight-game losing streak. When you look at this team, how are you feeling as a whole through the first eleven games? I still have a lot of optimism just because of the veterans on the team, of course. But even last year, I feel like you know you were like, we don't have D, we don't have Da in the lineup, so wait till he gets back and all that. But it didn't work out that way. So it's like we don't have anybody to wait for to come back besides sticks. And you don't know how much he's going to really give the Suns, especially rebounding all of that, because he has a long way to go. I feel like before he becomes anything in this league, which is fine. We don't expect a lot from him. But I feel like this is just the team we have. And I I think there's just something to, that they it gets in their head that all of a sudden they're winning games. I know last year they started this way, but they're predicted 
to be a playoff team. They're the number two seed in the in the power rankings. I think those things get into their heads, and I think because they have solid games the night before, they're just not consistent yet as a team and individually to put these games back to back to where the way they need to be. And they come out flat against these teams that know the Suns are looked at as one of the best teams in the league. And they're like, you know what? Shove that up your ass, dude. We don't care. We're going to come out and we're going to kick your ass. That's what the, the other teams I feel like are really thinking. Yeah. And they're giving it to them. And the Suns team is not used to that in the past. You know what I mean? Well, I think DeAndre Ayton is a microcosm of this team. Inconsistent. I think that this team and, and shows promise. And I want to, I, I definitely want him on this team. I think he's a fantastic player with a lot of opportunity to grow. And that's the definition of this team right now. Again, seven to four. Uh, I think that. I wouldn't say so much necessarily they believe their own hype, but I think that they look at the opposition and they they think that they can take a night off. And if they take the first six minutes of a game off, they're buried. And that's what's happened a couple times this season, you know. Yeah. And and that happened that reared its head without a doubt tonight against the Washington Wizards. But there still is a lot of promise. You look at 538.com, they have the Suns as an 88% chance to make the playoffs. So they're, you know, they really yeah. have to kind of veer off course or have unfortunate things happen to the franchise in order for that not to happen. And sometimes you just go through the motions. And I think that entering, going to Washington, a team that hasn't had, has been discombobulated, hasn't had any consistency this year. Uh, there's COVID rumors fly, flying all around them. The, the Suns might've come in a little tentative and it, it translated to the court in a pretty yeah. spectacular way as far as, uh, just looking disgusting as a, as a total team, but you yeah. know what? They're, they'll they'll write the ship, and even if they lose the next two, I mean they're seven and six. So I guess we got that going for us, which is nice. Don't lose eight in a row, okay? <laughs> Real quick question though, and I, I I'm not a doctor. I don't know these things, and I definitely know that you're not a doctor. But yeah, doctor love, dude. Like like so contact tracing, right? So Jason Tatum has COVID. Bradley Beal's Dean him up on Friday. He didn't get yeah. a chance to play. I think in one game over the weekend, and now he's back playing. Like, how does that work? Like, maybe it's a couple double negative tests or something like that. Or, or is it like, because seriously, the last like three teams to play Washington all left with players who have COVID. There's been cancellations of games. Like, what's going on, man? And is it going to affect the Suns? Like, are we going to find out come come Wednesday they're not going to have the ability to play a couple players because like Dev Booker's out now? Like, the hell's going on? That's what's going to happen. I mean, this is what we expected. Just the NBAs are they're forced to play through it like the NFL. That's what they're trying to do. And, you know, it's just basically us, you know, working too as well. People all around us in my office, for some reason, I'm still having to go to work during the week. But, you know, if people get COVID, it's like, all right, just if you don't feel any symptoms in three days, you're fine. That's the way the NBA is right now. They're just trying to force their way through it. And that's what I expected. I, I expect the Suns to have some kind of issue with it too as well. Every team will. And it'll probably continue till forever. I mean, if if we end up just like locking out the season for a couple of weeks, just like shutting it down for a little bit, I don't think that's going to make an effect because we've done that with the country. And I don't yep. think anything like that's going to going to help. Maybe another bubble, but the players are never going to do that. So they just got to force their way through. And this is the way we're going to have to deal with it. And Suns have not been hit yet. I mean, do you think it's going to come soon, though? Especially uh, after this game against Bradley Beal? <laughs> after Bradley Beal in Washington, I, I can almost guarantee you something's going to happen yeah. pertaining to that. And, you know, then you just go through the protocols. And I think you're right. You know, it's the same thing as football. It's like they're just trying to get through the season. And I can understand that, you know, a lot of these players due to their health and their, their physical stature. And I, I don't think that COVID, although it's going to 
slow them down, it's obviously not going to be fatal for them. So they're just going to try to push through it and and get to the other side. But it's uh, just yeah. interesting how I like because I, I wrote up my, my my piece for Brightside this morning. And I was just like, okay, Bradley Beal's not playing. He's he was you know contact tracing. Yeah. If somebody see that's where we differ at my work. If you're contact traced to somebody, you get 14 days regardless. You're like, oh yeah, I got two negative tests. Like yeah, we don't care. Like yeah. you, you stay home for 14 Wait. days. Yeah, I was sorry. I was laughing because I was looking at the Grim Reaper. Reaper. Oh my God. I can't say that. Reaper. Um, comment. The DA can't jump over a DMX CD. <laughs> That's just, I love stuff like that. It's funny. It is true. I mean, <laughs> DA can really jump. It, the first year when DA was on the team and I played NBA 2K, and I was like, why can't he dunk in this game? He's laying everything up, and it's just like that's the way he is. I guess two K actually got that one right. <laughs> so I don't know, just remind me of that. Well, so. like which CD? Like it's dark and hell is hot, or flesh in my flesh, blood of my blood. They're all or, good. Right? Or is it, and, or is it, and then there was X. I was I was a big DMX fan once upon a yeah, time. Yeah, I like this. It's yeah. <laughs> good workout music. Great workout music, man. Just yeah. yo, bitch. Um. Well, I guess it's that time where we hand out an award. Jam star of the game. So Matthew, <laughs> who's your jam star of the game? It's we finally made a drop for that. Well, I know. well done, and Matthew. And what do I have to use it? Like, do we actually have to nominate or select people from the other team? Because I'm not going to select any sons, right? I I selected somebody from the other team. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to do Bertans. I think he really killed us, and I feel like he's back. He needed this game to get back into the season after the big contract. It's good to see him shooting the ball well, of course, against the Suns. So I'm going to pick uh, Mr. Bertans, who I really wanted in the offseason. But yeah, well, who do you, who do you got? Bradley uh, Beal? I'm going to go with Bradley Beal, man. I mean, the, the Suns definitely were social distancing themselves from him tonight. The guy was wide open all night and went for 34 points on 12 for 22. And he, I don't know why. He came back in the third or the fourth quarter and missed three shots and then just went and sat on the bench. Like he left the game in the third quarter, 12 for 19 from the field. I mean, that's efficiency for 34 points. He had nine assists, eight boards. I mean, he was a jam star tonight. He went and showed again. I mean, he's leading the league in points per game at 35 a game. So this was kind of chalk for him, if you will. But uh, he is my jam star of the game. Good pick. Yeah. I, I mean, you really can't go wrong with, the guy who scored the most points on the opposition, especially when we got our butts kicked. Um, I did want to bring up a couple things on our our thoughts segment. Thoughts. Um, brains. So we talk about all the crazy things that are going on in the NBA, and I got like how fortunate are we that through eleven games, the Suns have started the same lineup eleven times. Like I'm sure I've jinxed it now, but how fortunate are we? In all honesty. Yeah, I mean, we're very lucky. I was actually, I'm in the middle of writing something for um, Brightside, but about how this is Booker's highest winning percentage through 10 games of any starting lineup he's been in, basically. And it's it's getting to the point where I wanted to ask you too. It's like, I even saw in the chat, it's like, do you want to mix it up a little bit or something? I'm like, because my thing is leave it alone because campaign being out is huge for, I think, the bench. But you also got a, a bunch of flamethrowers on the bench. Cam Johnson, I don't think you want to throw him in the starting lineup. Like well, it, it's nice great to have debate right lineup, now. Right? Yeah, but you can't mess it up, right? I, I like Cameron Johnson coming off the bench. Me too. And 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 if you look, it's not necessarily about who starts; it's about who finishes. And Monty has an affinity for putting Cam Johnson in late in games when they're close because of his one, his scoring, and two, the way he can play defense. And I know that Jay Crowder obviously can do both of those things well. 
but his yeah. faith in Cam Johnson is what matters, and I think that that's something to focus on. I, I say leave it alone for now. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have this, right? And basically, I love Jay Crowder in there too because all the shit talking he does with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, I love it when they like gang up on a couple guys on their team. I want to know what yeah. the hell they're saying. I would love to be to know what they say, but hell yeah, he's a great piece for the starting lineup. Just keep him in there. He does a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. He, I mean, it's that toughness, uh, both defensively and from the shit talking standpoint. You know, when they when they start when they pick out a player, it's like Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan in the nineteen ninety two Barcelona Olympics going at Tony Kukoc. It's it's kind of fun to watch. So, yes, yes. Uh, another question I have. This comes from Ron, and he says, "What are your thoughts on Kyrie on the Kyrie Irving shenanigans?" And how would you feel if it was a member of the Suns who chose not to play simply because they did not feel like it? So first and foremost, shout out to Ron. Remember, if you want to submit a question, uh, you can do so via session at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but he brought that up. What are your thoughts on Kyrie choosing just not to play? Um, well, was there any further investigation of why he wasn't? It was personal reasons, right? Was that he, it? I believe that he stated he just didn't want to play. Oh, okay. I, I'm really weird with the Kyrie Irving, these athletes, these stars that, you know, they, they have everything they want in the world. They think a little bit differently than you and I. They've seen everything. I mean, they know what to expect, I feel like, every day. And I I think for him to actually pull that excuse, it kind of sucks when you first hear it. But then I love Steve Nash's response and just like personal reasons. He's not getting onto him, nothing to the media, which is fantastic for a head coach. I think he handled that perfectly, mm-hmm. but I, I, I still don't, I don't hate Kyrie and how he is. He thinks differently. He's on a team with KD for a reason. Cause they're both kind of the same kind of guy. And it probably does sucks if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, but I just want to know the reasons of why he missed the game first before I judge him for any reason, because we knew this was all coming with him. And if it is just plain laziness and maybe he has depression, maybe he wakes up and he's just like, I can't do it. Maybe that's what it is. So that's why I don't want to judge him too much. Uh, well, what but if Chris Paul did that? Oh, I would never expect Chris Paul. If he did that, then I would be, then I would just want to know wait, what's going on. What, what happened, dude? But you would never get that from Chris Paul. It's just, you expect this from Kyrie, right? Yeah, you expect it, but it's still frustrating, right? Like, this is one of your stars. This is somebody who you're relying on. If, if you're doing a Brooklyn Nets podcast right now, what are you saying? You know, how are you approaching him deciding that he just just wasn't into it tonight? He didn't play. And again, you don't know all the facts, and you can't necessarily assume all the facts. But, you know, we're in the let's do a podcast every night after the Suns game game so it's fodder it's fodder to the point where people are asking us that same question i know if a member of the phoenix Suns said they didn't want to play you know i'm like i'll drive them to the airport like i thought that you know you get you get paid to play and i was actually having this conversation with somebody not too long ago about just that you know guys who we were talking about tanking i was talking about it with somebody at work about tanking and and how you know as a suns fan we've been accustomed to tanking in the past five years and how frustrating it is as a fan and i wish that outside of injury there was a way to almost make nba players paycheck like per game like you'll get paid based on your performance like if i if i'm not feeling good at work today granted i have pto and things out of and that of that nature but like i shouldn't get the two million dollars i'm supposed to get to play today's game or what have you so if Kyrie yeah. chooses to take that game off that's great but it, you know it's gonna hit your bank account there needs to be some sort of incentive or accountability uh, structure behind that he he's on a different journey though now i think Kyrie. he's not when he first left lebron and the cavaliers wanting his own team 
to be a champion. I don't think that's him anymore. I think he just hit a different point in his, in his life to where the wins and losses don't matter to him anymore. If they make the playoffs good, he'll give it all he has. But you seen him in the playoffs two years ago where he just basically gave up. I forget who they were playing, but I mean, I think they got swept or they lost in five games. I would have to go back and look, but he's on a different path. He's not really the guy you want on your team. If you're trying to win a championship, if you want to be a team guy, he's just a different guy now, I think. Yeah. Uh, in the chat, we have Raymond Gonzalez. Reminds me of the Bledsoe, I don't want to be here. Although he mm-hmm. said, uh, I read that Kyrie was just being sarcastic, which is probably true in all honesty. You know, his responses to the media aren't necessarily something that he takes a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, whatever the word is. I'm tired of responsibility. Responsibility. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. <laughs> Buck Dog in the chat. Kyrie's going to become super weird after basketball. After basketball. Guys, weird. <laughs> As weird right now. Well, I don't know why it's. I don't know why it's weird. I mean, he's just different. He thinks differently than a lot of us do, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm sorry. I just. I, I know. I know. I'm, I'm not on his side or anybody's side. I'm just saying it's. You're it's on kind Matthew of fun. It's, side. it's fun to see where he goes and how where he takes this. Jay Pizzle, KD is probably sick of him. So I don't know. He, I just thought he might be right. Nets Nets gonna combust before the season's out. We'll see. I think they're four and five or four and six. Mm-hmm. Last I saw. So. We might not. We might already be there. All right. Next up for the Suns is going to be on Wednesday. We have the Atlanta Hawks coming to town. Matthew, ouch. Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks, who um, have lost their last four games. Yeah. Actually, I actually don't know. Let me see. No, they won. Quick. They won tonight. Okay, so yeah, they, they won one twelve to ninety four over the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes. Um, but at the same time, prior to that, they lost their last four, and those four games came against the NBA elite. They beat Cle- or they lost to Cleveland, the New York Knicks, and Charlotte twice. So mm-hmm. the Hawks are much akin to the Suns and much akin to a lot of teams in the NBA right now are trying to find their identity. I know that they're having some injury issues. Danilo Gallinari yep. is out. Uh, who's the other big free agent? Bogdanovich. Guy? Yeah, Bogdanovich. He's, He's out. Not coming back. Yeah, he's not come back for a while. That was nasty. Uh, Rajon Rondo, he's been he's only played a couple games. So a, a lot of yeah. those big name free agents that the Atlanta Hawks have signed in the offseason haven't really been productive for them as of yet. So it's primarily the Trey Young show. What are your expectations as we look forward to Wednesday and the Atlanta Hawks coming to town? I think I was thinking I'm like, is Mikhail Bridges gonna be on Trey Young? I mean, who else would he want to guard, really, except for, like, John Collins or DeAndre Hunt? I don't even know. You know what I mean? Like, there's no one really on that offense where I'm kind of scared of, except for Trey Young. So, yeah. would it be interesting to see Mikel Bridges take on Trey Young? Well, you got CP3, so I think he'll definitely be the first line of defense. Yeah. But I think that they'll try to do – I hope that there's some doubles. I really do. I mean, I guess the disadvantage is the fact that Trey Young is a, is a really good passer. So if you try to double him, he'll probably figure it out and get it to the open guy. And that's just a matter of them not knocking down their shots. But again, yeah. with Bogdanovich and Gallinari and the, their sharpshooters out, Kevin, Kevin Horder is going to be the, the guy who will probably have to come out and beat us. Yeah, but it's, it's one of those games again. I mean, we're going to keep seeing these teams with a lot of injuries. I mean, but we said that against the Wizards, but they still look good on paper with those guys they had out there. So... I just can't overlook it, man. You got to give CP3 some rested minutes, right? Maybe 25 minutes in this game. That'd be nice. Wouldn't that be nice if we just come out and destroy them like we did the New Orleans Pelicans? The only comfortable game we've had all season is when we played the Pellies. Uh, You know, again, it's, it's early in the season. There's a lot of teams that are trying to piece together what exactly they have. 
and it's only going to be harder. I know that they're the NBA had a meeting today and they were talking about, you know, not doing morning shoot arounds and not doing a lot of things in an effort to kind of negate the spread of COVID or at least contact tracing from COVID. And that's just going to make it ever so much harder on these teams to gel. And the only way that they can do it is through playing together. And again, the Suns holistically have a, have a good team. Um, they're not at that great status yet just because they haven't necessarily gelled yet and meshed on that first team. So, yep. You got it. There was an eight needs a basketball machine, like the receivers practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does, eight, right? eight hands are, yeah. are, are, are pretty, pretty there's the, I love the chat shout, you know, uh, I think Vincent Stefanelli said it a little bit earlier when we were talking about who is the jam star of the game. And he said it best. Let me scroll up here. He goes, the jam star of the game is the fans who sat through the whole game tonight. You know what? The jam star of the game is every one of you who's in the chat right now uh, talking about the Suns. There's anything you could be doing following a loss. You could, you know, it, it's like when the Suns lose, I don't like to watch Sports Center. It's just a fact. Yeah, but Even who though, watches Sports Center anymore? Well, like, like <laughs> NBA TV and things like that. Yeah. Like wherever I get my basketball highlights, like I try to avoid it that night because I just don't want to oh, see. Yeah you know, especially after talking about it, but everybody who's in the chat, you know, it's, it's great. If you're, if you've never done it, I highly recommend joining us live whenever you can. Yeah. We're live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter right after the games. And again, if you go to, uh, to YouTube, you can hit like the little subscribe button and then, and the bell notification, and it'll let you know when we go live. But I mean, some of these comments are fantastic. They're talking about, you know, uh, John, John Collins would be great with the Suns. I've always been a big fan of John Collins. He's aggressive. He's he's all those things offensively that the Suns want in DA with none of the defense. And then Maiden AZ, who also said that, said, uh, can Aiton swap jerseys with him next game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, and everyone, yeah, we did do Aiton watch too. I mean, I feel like people have been at, we did it pretty early. I think we did it within five minutes of the pod. Well, we'll, so. we'll, we'll, throw, we'll throw it back out there. Aiton watch 2021. We do it once a pod. Now that's twice a pod just because we're always analyzing his <laughs> performance. Another thing real quick before we get out of yeah. here that I, that I do want to comment on is, of course, is Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. And it's been stated numerous times. I know Espo st- says it on the solar panel. Uh, Dave King kind of fortified that, I think, on the last solar panel. Um, but the, the Suns really go as Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson go. Look at our last game. Cam Johnson was okay, but Mikhail Bridges dropped 34. And to, this is actually the first loss that we've had this season in which Mikhail Bridges scores more than 10 points. Prior to this, he, the Suns were 0-3 in which he scored less than 10 and 7-0 and in which he scored more than 10. He mm-hmm. ended with 14 points, but then Cam Johnson only had 5. And combined, they were 2-10 for 10 from downtown. And overall, they were 8 for, what, 17, 16 from the field. So 50%. So... You know, that's kind of something to always keep stock on is is how those guys are doing is how the Suns really go. If they are getting offensive opportunities or creating defensive mismatches that lead to offensive opportunities, that's how the Suns can f- find ways to win. Yeah, I was trying to think of a tag team duo name for them because basically it's like, well, they play together too, but you know, when, when Bridges needs some time out to get some rest, when Cam's in there, it's not the same kind of player, but they do a lot of the same things, I feel like, very well. So... So we like, think of like a tag team, like, like, like Bridges and Johnson, the BJ, yeah. the the BJ <laughs> duo, the BJ duo. There you go. 
All right, Cameron, you heard it here first. You probably didn't want to hear it, but you know what? That's just what you get for staying up late with yeah. us. So uh, anything else you got for the Jamsters before we get out of here tonight, Matthew? No, not really. You know, uh, just a tough loss, dude. And I feel like there was one thing I, I saw. I think Paul was kind of, was he calling out Booker tonight a little bit? There was something like with the body language just didn't look too good together at the end. But it I think was, that's just the I, well, I, I, nature, right? I, I think he, I saw him calling out Aiden. At was one it point. Booker? It was Aiden at one Paul. point because it was Paul. There, there was he yeah. half-assed it on a jump uh, on contesting a jump shot, and then he went down the court lackadaisical. And Paul was pissed because he had a mismatch in which he could have gotten Da the ball because the defender was late coming back. Robin Lopez, Rock and Robin, tweet tweet elite sideshow Bob, Rock and Robin Lopez came down the court lackadaisical. Yeah, and he had an opportunity to take advantage, but Da was being lackadaisical as well. So I, I, I noticed that. Maybe there was a Booker one as well, but I noticed that moment. I was just like, "Damn, son." Yeah. No, that's it though. Okay. Well, um, are you watching anything new? What, what's going on? You know, we don't get to ever ask these questions. What's new? What are you going to watch once we're done here? Or are you just going to go to bed at the Lissy Lounge? No, it's funny. You know, what? I've just been working a lot. Usually, I don't like to tell people, but it's just like it's been constant. And I just, I, I like doing it, but it's funny because when I'm not working, I'm doing the podcast. So always having a good time, but that's basically all I've been doing. I haven't watched anything new. What are you watching, dude? I am rewatching Mad Men. I oh, haven't, good. I haven't watched Mad Men since it came out. I think one. I watched the first like three seasons and then I stopped watching. So needless to say, like I just sit, they, they sit around, drink whiskey and smoke cigarettes the whole time. And although I have no yearning for cigarettes, I, I really want to like a glass of whiskey. I think the next show I'm going to come out here and just have a glass of whiskey. <laughs> I love how they Done. drink when they work. When they drink, when they work makes no sense because if I was me, I would be passed out within 10 minutes. If I had any kind it of was liquor a different time, Matthew, they were they more accustomed to it. I guess so. I think if they took a lot all day nap. every day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nap. Well, that's why they have those huge offices. They just take naps in there. Like every yeah. time they walk into Pete Campbell's office, he's like on the couch, you know, just drunk and out of his mind, you know, but it's a, uh, it's a really good show. I mean, it's it, it's a show that doesn't really move fast, but you just keep watching for some reason. It's like it's it's like the, it's like the Suns against the Wizards. You can't turn away. Yeah, dude, it's John so. Hamm, right? <laughs> yeah, John, John Hamm, Raymond Gonzalez. They didn't have White Claw back then. Oh. <laughs> that's yeah, that's hey, what that, Matthew would have. Yeah, I was hung over the next day after that one. So it was, yeah. it was like a it was like a, a seven year old or seven month old uh, White Claw you had there. So. Anyways, uh, again, Jamsters, we appreciate you hanging out with us, even following the loss. Yeah. You showed how how strong your love and, and dedication is to this team. Make sure that you follow the show at Suns Jam on both Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, make sure you, if you're listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network that you rate, subscribe, and review. And listen, if you're watching on YouTube or Twitter or whatever and you subscribe there, go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and rate, subscribe, and review Five stars be truly appreciated. Uh, we again thank you for hanging out with us. And literally, once this is done, I'm going to start watching Mad Men. So I appreciate everyone for hanging out. Let's put this one in the rear view. We've got the Atlanta Hawks coming to town, followed by that. We have Golden State and the Pacers. So the next three games could uh, really be telling for the Suns. Hopefully, we knock out a couple more wins. Disappointing to go one and two on the road, especially when you have the Pistons and the Wizards as a part of that three-game road trip. But you know what? It's a long season. It is a sprint or is a marathon, not a sprint. So let's get to the other side. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. I'm done. All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Everyone go home and love your family. Take care. It's just one of them days.
be all alone. It's just one of them days when I gotta be all alone. It's just one of them days.